Church, I'm really excited to be back today, and, uh, and I'm very thankful for um, uh, the gentlemen, all four of them, that filled in for me while I was gone, and I tell you, yeah, they did a good job. <clears throat> but today, I want to do a special message. It's a, I, I, we'll call it a post-Thanksgiving sermon, and so for, I hope that everybody here, you're all over your carbohydrate coma, and you're paying attention today. You're not going to fall asleep on us. Because I really believe that God has something that he wants you to hear. Today we're going to be talking about gratitude and and what that means. You know, I believe that we are in a very special season in the church. I do. I believe that with all my heart. We're in a very special season. And I want us to leave this year with great expectations. Great expectations of what God is going to do in the future of his church but I also want us to leave this year with gratitude. With gratitude. I think we are a people too often. We always look behind us and, you know, we think about the things that have happened. And, and you might be going like, oh, preacher, it's been a really hard year. It has been. I watch the news too, okay? But I, I want us to look back with gratitude, but I also want us to look forward with great expectation. And so this morning, I, I want to ask you guys, how many of you have a great gratitude. I mean, truly, you, you experience great gratitude in your life. I personally believe that each and every one of us, that we could really up our game in that, that, that we could do much better in showing gratitude. I believe that we as a people, as, as a fellowship of believers, that we need to take it to the next level. I don't know about you, but I've always been a guy who I always think of life and levels, you know what I mean? I, I really do. I have a hard time celebrating in the moment because I'm already used to, all right, what's next? You know what I mean? I, I want to get to that next level quickly. God's working on me and that he really is. But, but do you ever think about how life is filled with levels? You know what I mean? With, with levels. Think about it. You know, you're single, right? You go through singleness and, and then you get married, right? There's that level there. You have no job. You're, you're living life wild and free, right? No responsibilities when you're in high school. And all of a sudden, you, you get out in the real world, and you have responsibility of a career. You know, you go from a couple, you get married, and then suddenly, you start having babies. And so you have a family that's a whole nother level right there. You go from full house to empty nest. But for me personally, the biggest level in my life was you know, graduating from high school. It's that, that graduation thing where, you know, I, I did, I loved high school. Definitely was not there for the academics. It was mostly the social, but I really and truly enjoyed it. I, I loved high school. And I remember sitting there at my graduation just going like, I don't want to leave. And, and then you've got this guy, right? You, you got this guy who, who's speaking. And I don't know about you. I, I've been to a lot of graduations. Just not exciting, are they? <laughs> they're not. Somebody will stand up there and they're talk for a long time, and, and they're telling you about all these things that you got to do in your life, and these things that are coming up, and that person goes on and on, and honestly, I don't know about maybe all the adults that sit in the crowd. Most of the kids aren't even listening either, but at a graduation commencement, that person usually, they're talking about what's next in life, what's coming Next. So today I want to show you a text in the, the book of Deuteronomy, if you want to look at this with me. Um, Moses is going to be showing the Israelites, kind of like a graduation thing. He's going to be showing them what's next. So if you'll turn with me to, to Deuteronomy chapter 8, and we're going to start at verses 7 and 8. 
This is Moses speaking. He says, for the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land with brooks, streams, deep springs gushing out into the valleys and hills, a land with wheat and barley, vines, fig trees, pomegranates, olive oil, and honey. So he's telling the Israelites, right, hey, where we're going is going to be awesome. He says, what God has promised us, we're getting ready to head in there, and so I want you to be prepared. And then on verse 9, he says this, and it's a land where bread will not be scarce, and you will lack nothing, a land where the rocks are iron and you can dig. You know what I really like about that verse right there? Too many times we, as God's people, we expect him to do everything. But Moses was telling them, it's going to be awesome, but guess what? You're going to have to do some work. You want that iron in the ground? You're going to have to dig for it. Don't just expect God to hand it to you. Just you expect that God's going to hand you everything, and you aren't going to have to do anything. He says, hey, guess what? You're going to have to dig for it. You're going to have to do some work in that. It's not going to be handed to you, and sometimes I think that you and I, we expect God just to do everything. We pray, and then we sit and wait like, all right, God, what are you going to do? I'm waiting on it. Listen, church, God has something you have to do in it too. You, yes, you pray and you expect, but he wants you to do your part in it as well. Deuteronomy chapter 8, check out verse 10. It says, and then when you have eaten and are satisfied, praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. Church, this right here is where saying grace at mealtime began. Moses was telling his people, you, 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 you have to, you got to thank God for what he has given you. He wanted to remind the Israelites, don't you dare forget God when your needs and your wants are satisfied. He said, don't you forget who gave that to you. Then he goes on in verse 11, he says this, be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God, failing to observe his commands, his laws, his decrees that I'm giving you this day. Then verse 12 through 14 says this, Otherwise, otherwise, when you eat and are satisfied, when you build fine houses and settle down, when your herds and flocks grow large, your silver and gold increase, and all you have is multiplied, then your heart will become proud, and you will forget the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Church, so many times this happens to us. We become proud. It's kind of thing like, look what I've done. Look what I've made. Look what I've created. Look at all the things that I've worked so hard to accumulate. And in times of plenty, in times of prosperity, it's easy to get busy, you know, collecting things, right? You're collecting things and money, and you forget, church, and we push God right off to the side. We figure, I got this, right? In times of plenty, and when, when everything's going good, we forget where all that comes from. <clears throat> Church, it's God that gives us everything. He really and truly is the one, <clears throat> excuse me, who gives us everything. Deuteronomy chapter 15, I want you to remember this. Deuteronomy chapter 15 through 18 says this. He led you through the vast dreadful wilderness, that thirsty, waterless land with its venomous snakes and scorpions. He brought you water out of a hard rock. 
He gave you manna to eat in the wilderness, something your ancestors had never known, to humble and test you, so that in the end, it might go well with you. You may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth and so confirms his covenant, which he swore to your ancestors as it is today. Church, I'm telling you, we must have gratitude for what God has done. I want to give you the definition of gratitude because a lot of times we think we know exactly what it means. I want to give you a detailed description of gratitude, and it's this. The quality of being thankful, readiness to show appreciation for, and to return kindness. That is the definition of gratitude. And so what I read to you in Deuteronomy was Moses. He was passing on his experience that he had with God. Remember, Moses saw God face to face. You know, the other prophets, they heard from God. Moses, he was face to face with him. He had an experience with him. He had a moment with him like nobody else. And so what he was doing is he was passing his experience with God to the Israelites. You know, Moses is telling them, he's saying this promised land that you heard about is getting ready to happen. You know, we've been talking about a long time. It's coming real soon. It's going to happen. But before you go there, he's telling them, before you go there, how many of you do that with your kids? You anticipate what your kids are going to do, right? You pull in Walmart's parking lot, you stop the car, you park it, and you look and say, listen, we aren't getting anything but what's on this list. Because you know when they get in there, they're going to start asking you, right? Yeah, school night, you're going over to grandma's house. Hey, don't you even ask to spend the night tonight. It's a school night. You know we don't do that. So here's what Moses is doing. Moses, he's telling about the promised land. It's getting ready to happen. But he's saying before you go there, before you go there, you make up your mind when you get there that you won't forget who brought you there. He knows how they are. See, he's telling them in advance because he knows. See, the Israelites have a horrible reputation with thanking God and recognizing all the amazing things that they did. And so Moses, knowing his people, because he's been hanging with them a while, he says, I'm going to get in front of this. I'm going to tell them now so they don't act stupid later, right? Isn't that the, the, the role we do with our kids? said, but before you go there, you make up your mind that when you get there, you won't forget that God brought you there. So Moses knows his people, you know, right? He led them through the wilderness for 40 years, millions of people. And they have a tendency, big tendency, as God provides for them, that they let their preferences cause them to miss God's provision. You know what I'm talking about? You know, God supplies you and me. I hate this, right? God gives you a car. This thing's a piece of junk. It gets you where you got to go, right? See, that's how the Israelites were. They, they, they couldn't recognize God's provision because of their preferences. You know, if they didn't like the schedule on how God provided the food, remember, the Bible said manna would just come down from heaven. You wake up in the morning, all oh, your bread's right there. If they didn't like the schedule, they didn't like the way that God provided the food or even how it tasted. They were quick to complain. 
Church, how often are we those people? Seriously, that we're quick to complain about God's blessings because maybe it's not exactly what you wanted. You're like, God, I wanted a red one, not a blue one. Right? We act like spoiled children sometimes. So Moses is telling them, you're going to the promised land, it's going to be good, but you people, you tend to forget. You tend to forget all that God is doing and the gifts that God has given you. And you know what, church? He's telling them this. They had to be careful. You got to be very careful because God's gifts alone, listen to me, God's gifts alone are not able to bring you joy. Just his gifts by themselves are not able to bring you joy. Think about things in your life that, I mean, you dream about, oh, I got to have this. Oh, I can't wait to have this. You work hard, you scrape, you save, you do whatever you have, you get this thing, and it's cool at first, like, oh, look at this. Show my friend, look what I got. And then a year from now, it's like, whatever, right? That's how, we, that's how we look at things. So God's gifts alone aren't able to bring you joy. But listen to this, church. God's gifts can only bring you joy when they are joined with your gratitude. They literally will bring your joy, bring you joy when you are thankful, when you show gratitude. God's gifts can only bring you joy when you join them with gratitude. You realize, church, that you can be surrounded by all these things. I'm talking about blessings. Man, church, I'm talking about relationships. I'm talking about God's provision. I'm talking about goodness. I'm talking about opportunities. You realize God gives you opportunities every day. Some of us are just too dumb to recognize them. We are. But if you don't know how to turn blessings into praise, it will turn to pride. It'll turn to pride in your heart, and your life will never, ever be filled with joy. It will not be filled with joy because your heart's going to have holes in it, church. No matter how much you pour into it, it's going to just drain right out. And see, Moses speaks to this. He speaks exactly this. Maybe what you don't need in your life is that next level accomplishment. You know what I'm talking about? That you're always working to get to that next level. See, on that next level, the, the, the accumulation. But instead, church, we need to get to that next level of appreciation is where we need to get to. See, this will set you up. Church, this will set you up to make the most of what God will give you in the future. When you start paying more attention to getting that next level of gratitude instead of that next level of accumulation. See, if you grow in gifts, listen to this, church. If you grow in gifts and not in gratitude, you will have no joy. And guess what? What have you gained? Nothing. You've gained nothing. But you know what? If God gives it to you, if God gives it to you and you don't know what to do with it, it still ain't going to make you happy either, is it? It won't make you happy. Studies have shown, and I just read this recently, studies have shown that happy people aren't always those who have everything. I'd venture to say that most people who have everything are unhappy. But the people, those who know how to make the most of what they have are truly the happiest. A simple life 
and they recognize where it came from. You know, I've met people who have way less than me. But you know what? They truly have way more joy. They're excited. And when it comes to gratitude, church, do you realize when it comes to gratitude, it's something we have to practice. you got to practice gratitude because gratitude is not natural. It's not. It is not natural at all. If you disagree with me on that, then I would have to say, I can tell you, you've never fed a two-year-old before. <laughs> they have no gratitude whatsoever, do they? See, there's nothing natural. There's nothing instinctive about gratitude. Gratitude without practice is like faith without works. It's just not alive. If you aren't practicing it, it's not alive in your life, church. It's not only do you have a grateful heart, but here's the thing, do you have a grateful habits? Do you have grateful habits in your life, demonstrating that to people and to God? And when people, I hear people say this to me all the time. Well, you know my heart. No, I don't. I'm not a doctor. I really don't know your heart. When you, when you say to someone, well, I don't have to say thank you because you know my heart. Baloney. I tell my kids all the time, I want to hear it from you. So even if you are excited, I give you something and you act excited, I still want to hear those words come out of your mouth. I want you to thank me for that. Not so I can lord over them, but I'm teaching them gratitude for when they're blessed. And so when people say that kind of thing to me, I remind them that you've got to practice gratitude. You've got to learn to show gratitude. And Psalm 107, if you'll look at this with me, Psalm 107, verses 1 and 2, it says this, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His mercy endures forever. We know that song, right? We sing that in church. Easy. But check out verse 2. It says, Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. You know what he's saying there? He's saying, those of you who are redeemed, those of you who are thankful, those of you who are gratitude, say so. Say so. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. That means you're verbalizing it. You are showing it. You, you say so. Man, church, this is that basic level gratitude, isn't it? What we're talking, this is kitty stuff. This is kitty table gratitude. That's the way it works. Remember sitting at the kitty table when you were a kid? For those of you who had large families like I did, you ended up at the kitty table when you were like 20. And you sit there and, and you're sitting at the kitty table and you're looking over at the, the big people table and they're talking and, and having fun and, and I'm a teenager and I got little, little cousins or whatever sitting there with me and I'm going like, I don't want to talk about Legos, okay? Ain't no fun. I want to be at the big table. So you remember sitting at the, the kitty table. You couldn't wait to graduate that and get out of there. But most people, listen to me, church, most people don't even make it to the kitty table when it comes to gratefulness. We don't. There's a lot of people in this world. Listen, most people, God gives you 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and you can't even give him two hours on a Sunday morning to express your gratitude 
and your gratefulness. You guys are all good. You're here right now. It's for all the empty seats, all right? <laughs> Seriously, though, that we can't give him two hours to express gratitude and thankfulness. So, so Moses is saying, as you sit at the table, be grateful. You'd be grateful for God's provision. He said, don't you dare sit there and act like you've earned it. Don't you dare sit there and act like you deserve it. See, Moses is training them like children because they act like children. He has to show them constantly, this is what you need to be doing. And see, most of the Israelites, they're just now getting to know God. They really are. They're getting to understand his power and all that because he was quiet for all those years in slavery. Check out Deuteronomy again, chapter 8, verse 10. I really want you to get this this morning, church. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 10 says this, and when you have eaten and you are satisfied, praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. He's saying you praise him. You show him gratitude. You demonstrate thankfulness. And I like the part of that verse. I like the very part of that verse where it says, for the. You see that? Praise the Lord your God for the. I want you to get that this morning. We praise God for the. Whatever it is, you fill in that blank, right? You fill in the blank. You praise God for the. The things that he's doing in your life. You know what? My, my granddaughters, they like to pray, which I'm excited about that. Very excited about that. And they like to pray. And so you'll say, we're going to have supper now. And they'll be like, I'll pray. And it's really funny. So everyone bows their head, close their eyes, and, and I'll peek a little bit, and I see them peeking. So I don't know who's worse. The fact that I'm peeking or they're peeking, but we're both peeking, okay? And I'm kind of squinting one eye, looking at them. And here's what they do. This is typical of all little kids. They're like looking around. Thank you, God, for the lights. Thank you, God, for the, the, the chairs. Thank you, God, for the curtains, right? They sit there and they're thanking God for everything that they can see. You thank God for the you know what? We sit there and make fun of those little kids, but they're recognizing everything around them. There's a lesson to be learned there from a small child. They're thanking God for everything around them at that moment. Church, there's a lesson to be learned there. You thank God for the, whatever it might be. You thank God for the clothes that you have. You thank God for the roof over your head. It might not have the marble uh, countertops that you want yet, but you thank him for that roof over your head. You thank God for that spouse that encourages you. You thank God for that junky car you got. You thank him for it. You thank God for that running water that magically turned on when you turned the dial. You thank God for the people, church, that haven't given up on you yet. You thank God for it. Man, you thank God for that crazy family you have. You know they're crazy. You thank God for them. You thank God for those things. You thank God for the freedom that we have to worship here today. You thank him for it. You thank God for the grace that he showed you this past week. When you failed, 
miserably because we all have. You thank God for that. You thank God for the, for the. Church, you thank him for the provision. How he has provided for you. See, Moses is teaching them at, at the kitty table. It's that, you know, practice that gratitude. You gotta practice that. The world does not market gratitude at all, does it? The world doesn't market that at all. The world doesn't market appreciation either. The world tells you, get it. Then what's next, right? Anybody that's got kids, you know exactly what I'm talking about. They want this thing, this one thing. You get them that one thing. Man, and then there's something next, right? What's next? Man, I ask my kids, all right, what's next? You got that. What's going to be next? We just, you know, no more beating around the bush. What's next? Puppy. But you know what? You realize that God is more gracious than your utility company. He is. He's more gracious than your utility company. Utility company makes sure every month, church, that you appreciate them. AEP sends you a notice. We want you to appreciate us for what we've given you, right? So you, you, you appreciate that. And you know what? If you fail to show appreciation, then they're going to stop providing power to you. You know what? And, and they'll give you a chance, though. They will give you a chance to rectify the situation. They'll send you this little invitation in the mail that has the same thing as the last one, but they put a nice, pretty red stamp on it that says, pass due, Right? so that you can appreciate their faithfulness to you. And you know what, church? I'm asking you this this morning. Are your praises to God past due? Are they? Are your praises to him past due? Maybe that's why some of you, church, you're lacking power in your life because your praise is past due that you're not recognizing him. You know, you're walking, how many of you are walking around in your blessings of your prayer request? I'm talking about you prayed, you prayed, you prayed, and God answered that prayer. He blessed you with an answer to that prayer, and you're walking around in the blessing of that prayer request, and you still haven't thanked him. You haven't thanked him. See, our gratefulness, church, needs to be a way of life. Really just, it has to be a way of life. I don't know about you. George, I don't want to sit at the kiddie table forever. I don't. I don't want to sit there my whole life. I, I, I just don't want to thank God only when he's serving me. See, this is low-level stuff right here. Moses was teaching the Israelites to be thankful for the provision. But guess what, church? We need to have a more mature gratitude. You need to have a more mature attitude towards what it is that God has done for you. And guess what, church? David gives us that. King David gives us that. David teaches us through his life experience. You want to talk about a dude that goes to school of hard knocks, man. He just, he learns the hard way. Some of you are like that too, right? I know I have been like that in my life. David learns the hard way and he teaches us through life experiences and he teaches us a mature gratitude. Being thankful for what we're given, that's just manners. Your mama taught you that. Being thankful for what you were given, it's just manners, right? What do you say? But you know what? David shows us a different level, man. 
Psalm 23, if you'll look at this with me. Psalm 23, you know, I know a lot of you guys are familiar with this. You know, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures, right? It's the funeral stuff. Every movie you ever seen has a funeral. They're saying that at the funeral, and it's raining always in movie funerals. But I like what David says in verse 4. He says this, even though. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. So I love what David says. Second point for you this morning is this. You praise God even though. David said, man, I'm walking through a really dark place right now, but even though, even though I am, your rod and your staff, they'll comfort me. They'll come for me. So David is bringing this to a mature level, even though, right? Even though, even though, even though all crazy is breaking out in your life. You kind of have that attitude, you know, it's well in my soul. God's going to do this. You know, whatever my lot, you've taught me to say, right? That's how the song goes. It is well with my soul. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, even though it's all right, because you're with me. So what kind of Christians church are we going to be? Do you want to be that kitty table, low level? Thank you, God, for my chicken nuggets, right? You're going to take it up a step, and you want to be a mature Christian. You know, are, are we only going to thank him for the food? Are we only going to thank him for the finances? Church, I'm talking about you thank him even though, right? Even though things look dark, you're thanking him for your presence. You know, church, how many of you can keep your eyes fixed on the presence of God even though you're going through something? And there's lessons to be learned here. Check out Psalm 23. Now we want to go to verse 5. It says this, you prepare Remember, this is God. God's preparing a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. He, he is preparing a table. He's preparing a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Church, you know what I used to think when I would read this? I'm like, yeah, that's right. I don't like Johnny. He's my enemy. God's preparing a table, right? I don't like Lisa. No, no, no. You realize your enemies, church, your enemies aren't just people. Your enemies aren't just people. See, we need to focus on God while we're sitting there, even though our enemies are present. And your enemies just aren't people. Man, even though in the presence of my enemies, I'm talking about the presence of your insecurities, maybe, in the presence of your addictions, in the presence of what you've lost, in your life, man, in the presence of that thought, like, I ain't going to make it. I'm just not going to make it. In the presence of my enemies, he's saying, you look straight ahead. You know, at my house, uh, we have a table in our dining room, and, and I have a chair in my house, in the dining room. I ain't got no chair in the family room, living room. I don't sit down long enough for any of that nonsense. I have a chair. It's mine. You know where that chair is? The head of the table. The head of the table. And I want to sit there. And, and, and you know, everyone else, I don't care where you sit, you file in wherever you want. 
I want to sit at the head of the table because I want to be looking at everybody. And you know, sometimes when my kids are bad, you know what I'd do? I'd say, you sit right here. You know where I'd sit them? Straight across from me. And man, they would squirm because I'm staring them the whole time I'm eating. Right? I'm watching them. And sometimes they're like, why am I sitting here? What did I do? Did I do something? Did they get a phone call? For, you know, they don't know. I said, you sit there. It's a good, it's a good ploy. But you know what? I'm focusing. You realize, church, can you keep your eyes on the presence of God? He's saying, I prepare a table before you in the presence of your enemies. Guess what? God's sitting there with you, too. And you focus on him. Stop focusing on your enemies. Maybe the people who are against you. Maybe it's your insecurities, your addictions, whatever it might be. Stop focusing on them. You look straight ahead at that table that he's preparing before you, meaning before you get here, he's getting it ready. And you focus on him. About those things. First John chapter 4. First John chapter 4 verse 4 says this. You dear children. You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. Church, he has no power over you. He doesn't. Your enemies, honestly, don't have any power over you unless you let them. Your insecurities only has power over you because you let it. Your addictions has power over you because you let it, right? All these things... And my third point I want to make to you today is this. We praise God. I just talked about even though. Today, we praise God because of. See, Paul takes this to a whole nother level, right? We got that kitty table stuff at Moses. Hey, thank you, Lord, for these amazing French fries, you know, whatever it is that you have to eat that day. And, and then the next level, right, that mature level is you thank God. Even though, David said, I'm walking through some hard times right now. I know that you're with me. And then Paul said, Psh, that's elementary stuff for both of you. We're going to take it to another level. You praise God because of. Check out Philippians, if you will. Philippians chapter 1, verse 17. Man, this could really speak to somebody today. Philippians chapter 1, verse 17 through 18 says this. The former preached Christ, this is Paul. The former preached Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing that they can stir up Trouble for me while I am in chains. Paul's in prison. He's in chains. He's saying someone's stirring the pot, trying to get him in trouble, trying to make things worse for them. But listen what he says in verse 18. He has perspective, church. He says this, but what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice. He says this, church, because of, and because of this, I rejoice. Because of. You know, because people, they were being nasty to Paul, right? But you know what he was doing? Still thanking God. He, he was. He was still thanking God. He's thanking him in all things. Church, this is pure maturity here. Where you, what you do is you recognize, like, God, I'm praising you for your purpose. How many of you have gone through hard things in your life? 
And once you got through them, I mean, it wasn't easy. You got through them, but you're like, all right, I learned some lessons. I'm stronger. I'm better, right? You go through those things. That's what Paul's saying right here. He said, I praise him in his purpose. I don't know where this is going to go, but God has a purpose. Look at what you're going through, church. Do you know that God knows what he's doing in your life? Those four weeks I was off, those were the longest four weeks of my life. Because I'm a talker. I am. And I like to do this. And just to be at home. I mean, you can only clean the house so many times, right? I took the church fans home. I detailed them because I couldn't sit still. But I was thinking about things. And at first, I was getting depressed. All right, God, you know, I gave up everything. A really good Money life, you know, to do what you call me to do, and now I don't have a voice. How am I going to do it? Where is it going to go? You know how the enemy gets you rolling, right? Like, my career's over. Even though and because of. Because of. Because I know he's going to do something with this church. Church, whatever it is you're going through, if you trust him, he is going to do something in it, whatever it is, when God's purpose is involved, it's going to end up being good. God's purpose, you know, it, it takes you down that road, right, to who he wants you to be. Your hardships, your struggles takes you down that road to who God wants you to be. But here's the key, if you let it, if you let it, you're going to mope, feel sorry for yourself. You can have a moment, but don't live there. Don't pitch a tent there because you know what, church? And we know, right, in all things, right, God works for the good of those who love him and been called according to his purpose. He didn't say that all things are good. He says, I'm going to work things for the good. God's hand is on it. So because of, I trust him, and I know it's going to be okay. Because of, even though things are hard, because of, I know God's going to make it right. I know God's going to make it good. And Paul said this, I continue to rejoice. How about that? I will continue to rejoice. Church, I'm going to ask the praise team to come up here right now. Do you realize, church, even when things are bad, you and I, you know what we're called to do? We're called to praise him and to rejoice. Even when you can't see the light at the end of the tunnel, how many of you have to see it instantly? Right here, guilty. No, sometimes he says you keep walking through the tunnel. I'll send you the light when it's due. Church, even when, even when it feels like there's no hope whatsoever. You've got to remember that God is in it. He's in it. And so when things are bad, church, we rejoice. I want you to realize something this morning, and it's this. You don't have to feel grateful to be grateful. Sometimes you're just not feeling it, are you? But still, you push through and you be grateful for what it is that God is doing. So I ask you this one last question, church. Honestly, are you grateful? Hear me out this morning. Are you grateful? 
Are you grateful for what God is doing in your life? Are you grateful for what he has done? And listen, for those of you who are saved this morning, I mean, you already know Jesus Christ personally. I want to ask you something. Are you grateful for what he has done in your life? The fact that he took all your sin, all your shame, all your guilt, and he gave you a brand new life. Church, are you thankful for that? And if you are, I want to take you back to the verse that says, say so. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. That means you're talking about it. You're rejoicing. You have an attitude of gratitude. And so I hope that every one of you who are saved can do that this morning. And for the rest of you who are sitting here today, I mean, you're not saved yet. I want you to understand something. Number one, God is calling you out. And number two, he has something for you. Maybe you want to have a different life. Maybe this morning you want, you recognize it. Man, I'm not grateful for anything I have. Maybe it's because you haven't had an experience with Jesus Christ yet. So I want to encourage you, let today be the day that you surrender yourself unto him. You recognize who you are, a sinner. And listen, church, if you are outside Christ, you honestly have no hope, no hope whatsoever. But Jesus says this, come to me, all of you who are heavy and weary, right? And he will give it, he will take it from you. So for those of you today who are living your life outside of Christ, I wanna encourage you, come forward and we will walk you through it. We will show you that God has something better for you. All you gotta do is take him up on it. So how about it, church? Let's stand together, let's sing, and I truly wanna encourage you to respond.